Chapter 8 of Vinzi, A Story of the Swiss Alps by Johanna Spiri. Translated by Elizabeth P. Stork. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anita Sloma Martinez. Chapter 8 Unexpected Happenings. Stefelli's summer after Vinzi's departure had passed much more pleasantly than she could have foreseen. This was due to Mr. Delrick, who never started off on a long walk without calling into the room and asking, Can Stefelli come with me? As the child had given up her life on the pasture since Vinzi had gone away, the mother always welcomed this opportunity of sending her out. Stefelli had really been obliged to sit at home a great deal, and the poor child could not help fretting and sighing. Every time she heard that question, she gladly tossed the horrid long stocking aside and skipped out into the sunshine. There was no end to all the things Stefelli discussed with her companion. He was always interested in whatever she told him about herself and Vinzi, their life at home and on the pasture. He heard about the music lessons and the strange consequences they had brought, also how the members of the household differed on certain subjects. In this way, Mr. Delrick acquired a minute knowledge of the happenings in the Lessa household, but he became intimate with the three members of the family in other ways besides. Vincennes Lessa liked to spend his free evenings on the bench before his house. Here the walnut tree wafted to him the perfume of its fragrant leaves. When he smoked his pipe, he was always glad if Mr. Delrick came to talk to him, for the farmer loved to discuss the affairs of the world. Mr. Delrick, who had a wide knowledge, could explain many things that were not quite clear to him, and also showed a lively interest in everything connected with agriculture. They discussed the problems of the farm together, and even when Mr. Lessa was the instructor, Mr. Delrick's suggestions proved very useful. Many changes and improvements were made on the place in consequence. Mr. Delrick's conversation with Mrs. Lessa was very different. It always drifted to the same subject, even if they had begun to talk of something else. This absorbing subject was Vinzi. The mother had told Mr. Delrick of Vinzi's intense love of music from the time he had been a little lad, and how the father's whole ambition was centered on bringing him up as a successful farmer. The father's pride and joy consisted in the work he was doing, and he naturally expected the boy to look after the property some day. This conflict filled her with deep anxiety. She saw no way out of the difficult situation, and was constantly anticipating some great sorrow as the final outcome. Mr. Delrick was filled with sympathetic interest and tried to allay her anxiety. He comforted her by saying that young boys often put aside such fancies, especially when a smiling future lay before them, as was the case with Finzi. Her troublesome thoughts kept on recurring nevertheless, and it was hard for the mother to anticipate the future calmly. His sympathetic words seemed to ease her heart, however, and therefore he regularly led back to their usual subject of conversation. In this way, Mr. Delrick had succeeded in becoming the special friend and confidant of every member of the little household. Whenever a question came up which was hard to solve, Stefali, as well as her father and mother, said right away, We must ask Mr. Delrick, he'll know. Or when something was worrying them, If we ask Mr. Delrick, 
He'll tell us what to do. When the good news was brought from the mountain that Vinzy was loved there by old and young and had grown so merry that everybody else had grown still more so, Mr. Delrook took as lively an interest in the news as if he were a member of the family too. The mother remained rather quiet, but he, as well as the father, could not help hoping that the lad had at last found satisfaction in his work. He looked forward, therefore, to the happy reunion of the little family in which he had grown so intimate before he left them. The day came when Father Lessa had given his wife, in the presence of Mr. Delrick, the news of Vincy's homecoming in five days. Meeting an old acquaintance who was driving across the mountains, he had made use of the opportunity to ask him to bring his boy home. This the man had promised to do. The mother's heart beat with joyous anticipation, and Stefelli, in her excitement, could not sit still any longer, but flew restlessly here and there in the most aimless fashion. She felt as if she could not possibly live through those days. She constantly counted the hours. If a day had twenty-four hours, five days had five times as many. Oh, that made a dreadful lot of hours! But she had reckoned the hours when she was asleep, and luckily one did not feel those, so the counting had to begin anew. Strangely enough, the fifth day had come at last, and much sooner than she had dared to hope. Stefelli had returned from a stroll with Mr. Delrick, just as her father had come in from the field. "'Vinzy may come any moment now,' he said to the mother. "'Let's have supper so he can sit right down with us.' Mr. Delrick was called, and they began to eat. Stefelli could scarcely swallow from nervousness, and the mother, too, could not disguise her agitation. "'Here he comes!' suddenly cried the child, as she bounded away. None of the others had heard anything, but a few moments later Stefelli entered the room, triumphantly holding Vinzi's hand. The joy of the parents at their son's return was not noisy, but it could not be doubted. Vincennes Lessa's look betokened real pride when he led the boy up to Mr. Delrick. The latter gazed at him keenly, for his thoughts had long been busy with him. He did not need to wonder when he saw the splendid lad who had so completely won his mother's heart and upon whom his father had built his hopes. Everybody sat down, and Vinzi was asked to tell about his relatives. He grew constantly more lively and could not say enough of their kindness to him. When the father wished to know how the pasture up there had pleased him, Vinzi in blissful remembrance described the mountain pasture to them. The violets up there filled the air with fragrance, and the high larches spread their wide branches over the moss-covered stones. The cows grazed quietly between the trees, so that their bells resounded far and wide like a song of peace. The mother asked if beautiful flowers grew on the pasture. Here Vincy grew still more enthusiastic, and told them about the red field of roses which gleamed in the sunshine and from below made the whole mountain look like fire. Vinzi also spoke of his sleeping room and how he had loved to have his own little house which was filled with the delicious fragrance of hay. Father and mother looked quite amazed at their son. Never before had he spoken with such surety and animation, and both had the same impression. They said to themselves that Vinzi was not the boy who had left them. The father added to himself, "'He has matured up there.' 
That is good, for he'll know now what he wants. And the mother thought, new life has sprung up within him. I wonder what will be the outcome. Next morning, Stefeli was on her feet especially early, for the joy of having Vinzi with her again had not let her sleep any longer. She had wanted to knock on his door in order to keep him from oversleeping. Now everything would have to go back to the old order, and they would be able to go together to the pasture as of yore, something she had a tremendous longing for. Just as she put her finger to the door, Vinzi opened it and came out completely dressed. Stefeli drew back amazed. "'But you get up dreadfully early,' she exclaimed. "'You never used to do that, Vinzi. "'That's why I wanted to call you.' "'Now you see that I can do it, too,' Vinzi said, laughing at her surprise. "'On the mountain, I always got up early. "'When one impatiently looks forward to something pleasant, "'sleep goes off easily. "'One can jump out of bed then. "'You see, I have still the habit.' "'What was it that made you so happy?' "'What did you look forward to every day?' asked Stefeli, surprised. "'Come, I'll tell you,' said Vinzi, going downstairs. Under the open door stood the father, taking a look at the weather. He, too, had only just come out of his bedroom. He turned around. "'What, you up already?' he said, astonished. "'That's a good sign. You learned something worth while up there, Vinzi, for you did not use to be the first in the morning.' "'Come and walk over to our walnut trees till your mother calls us to breakfast. "'Don't you think our trees are fine, and the grass about them, too? "'I hope you have learned to see that it is not quite so bad here at home. "'It is beautiful here, isn't it?' "'Oh, yes,' assented Vinzi from the bottom of his heart, "'looking up to the rich foliage of the walnut trees "'under whose shade he had spent so many happy hours.' I suppose you found out up there how fine the life of a farmer really is. If you have done so, you'll realize now how beautiful our place is. You could not possibly have a better prospect than to own and cultivate such a fine farm. Don't you agree with me that it is the best anybody could hope for? I know something I'd like much better, replied Vinzi with hesitation. Then he was silent. In surprise, the farmer gazed at his son. Listen to me, Vinzi. I don't mind if you enjoyed the mountain so much, and I won't say a word against it. Only I don't understand what you should have found up there better than we have. What is it? Tell me. Oh, the most beautiful thing I know is Pater Sylvanus' harmonium in the hospice. "'My dearest wish would be to learn to play it as well as he does,' answered Vinzi. Vincennes Lessa directed a searching glance at his son. After a pause, he said, "'Do you mean that seriously, Vinzi? Or is it meant to be a joke?' "'Oh, no, I mean it,' answered Vinzi. "'So,' said the father abruptly, "'now I'll tell you something, too, for you ought to know what I think.' I sent you away because I wanted you to learn all about farming in company with those jolly boys. You simply have to learn to enjoy it sooner or later. I thought that your eyes had been opened and you had matured and come back more sensible. Now I find you just as childish as when you started, with nothing in your head but nonsense and foolish music. But I'll find other ways and means to teach you sense. 
After all, there must be some way for a person to see how lucky he is. I should never have thought that you could have started such rubbish up there, too. Well, that settles it. You shall never go back. I'll still find a way. Vincy had listened calmly to everything the father had said, but the last words seemed to crush him like a thunderbolt. The moment his father turned and went towards the house, he threw himself on the ground. By pressing his face into the grass, he tried to stifle his violent sobs. He had secretly feared that his father would not want to hear anything about his longing to study music, and he had not dared to have any hope in that respect. All his finest anticipations, however, had been built upon returning to the mountain. Everything was now at an end, and the terrible words, You shall never go back, resounded over and over again. Finzi, you are to cried Stefani now, but she stopped suddenly and ran over to him. What is it, Vinzi? she asked, terribly frightened on hearing his sobs and groans. But the boy could give her no reply. I am sure you have to come, Stefani said timidly. If you could only stop, Vinzi, you must come to breakfast, for father is already sitting down, and mother sent me for you. Vinzi jumped up and ran to the pump. By washing his eyes over and over again, he hoped to remove the traces of his tears. It doesn't matter. Just come now, Stefani urged. Mr. Delrick never comes down to breakfast. Father doesn't pay attention, and Mother won't say anything. Please come now. As the two entered, the father threw a sharp glance at Vinzi, who took his seat with a drooping head. Vincennes Lessa pushed his half-emptied cup from him, and rising went quickly out he could not stand the sight of tears least of all from his boy who was more precious to him than his estate the mother gazed after him surprised what is the matter with father he didn't even empty his cup she said glancing at vinzi who just then raised his eyes but for heaven's sakes vinzi what is wrong with you she cried much more concerned still your eyes are swollen and red what has happened? Vinzi wanted to say something, but could not utter a sound. Laying his head upon his arm, he burst out crying. The mother's face expressed the greatest anxiety as she looked at him. Stefani quickly swallowed her milk, then ran outside. If only Mr. Delrick would come, she sighed. Stefani had noticed that whenever her parents sought his advice, affairs were usually straightened out, so she was most anxious to find him now. Mr. Delrick had just left his room and was that moment coming downstairs. All ready to start, he asked kindly when Stefani bounded to him and gave him her hand. Will you take a morning walk with me? Stefani had hoped for this and willingly started on her way with her desired companion. He soon heard what lay heavily on her heart how Vinzi had red and swollen eyes from crying, and the father had pushed away his cup of coffee before finishing it and had quickly gone out. Also, how terribly sad the mother looked, more sad than she had ever seen her. But I am sure you can help us, Stefani concluded with firm conviction. I'll do what I can, Mr. Delrick promised smilingly. But the child's words had made him very thoughtful. He seriously wondered if the mother's sad supposition would be realized now. The thought worried him the more, 
as he had fixed upon his departure within the next few days, having planned to meet a friend at the Italian lakes. When the two returned from their walk, matters had not improved. Lindsay had finally told his mother the words that had crushed him so completely. He thought that everything now was over, but his mother comforted him by saying that the father's words were probably not final. If only Vinzy tried hard to stick to his work and did everything to please his father, showing in that way that he really cared for what he wanted of him, the time would surely come when he would be allowed to go back to his friends. But Vinzy shook his head. Father won't ever let me go back there, for he said that I was finding pleasure in something he does not want me to do. And it's true. I understand now what he means, and I never quite knew before. To this the mother said nothing, for she could not help feeling that Vinzy was right. Would the boy be sent away again, and where? Her husband had another relative, an older brother, with whom he used to manage their property in Freiburg, till their old cousin in Luke had died. Her husband had taken charge of it, as they had inherited it together. He had felt that, as the beautiful place was so badly run down, it was better to look after it himself for a number of years, if he wanted to bring it up again. Her husband's brother was as silent and unsociable as the old cousin who used to live here had been, and he also looked quite as unkempt. Vincennes Lessa had left a hired man on the farm who looked after things. His brother never wanted to undertake anything new, and only hoped that Vincennes Lessa would soon return. Mrs. Lessa knew that there had been rather odd members in the Lessa family from time to time, and suddenly a new anxiety rose in her heart. If the father should really decide to send Vinzi to his father's old farm in order to teach him interest in farm work, he naturally would find no other distractions there. Mightn't the boy, who had always been different from other children, become more peculiar? He might, in the exclusive company of his uncle, get rather odd in his ways. People had told her that the old man who used to live in Luke would sit by the hour before his barn, staring straight in front of him. People used to call him Stary from Luke. Their brother in Freiburg was supposed to do the same. Such names easily become current, and as everyone knew where the Lessa family originally came from, he, too, was called by the people the Stary of Luke. When Mrs. Lessa's thoughts had traveled thus far, she felt still more worried. The father's chief cause of complaint against the boy was that he always stared into the distance, not seeing and hearing what went on before his eyes. Would it be possible that her lively, splendid Vinzy should turn into the third stare of Luke? Mrs. Lessa was suddenly roused from her disturbing thoughts by Stefelli's entrance. The child told her that Mr. Delrick had already come back from his walk, and was sitting in Vinzy's room talking to the boy. Quickly she set about preparing his breakfast, for as he had come back so much earlier than usual, she was not yet ready for him. Mr. Delrick knew about Vinzy's keen passion for music, as well as the father's wishes and desires for his son's future, with the original cause of Vinzy's stay on the mountain. But he had not understood from Stefelli's words what had brought on Vinzy's tears and the father's anger so soon after the boy's happy return. 
as he took the greatest interest in the weal and woe of the lessa family he wished to know if he could not help them somehow his stay in the house was to be of very short duration that was why he had come back so soon from his stroll he had gone to the darkly brooding vinzi and informed him that he was planning to go to the italian lakes and in two days would travel across the simplon if vinzi had any messages for friends there he would be glad to deliver them as he expected to spend the night there for a moment a ray of sunshine flitted over vinzi's face are you also going to see Petrus sylvanus and the grandfather he asked with burning eagerness i don't know who they are replied mr delrick but tell me about all your friends there and what happened to you on the mountain then you can tell me what messages i am to take to them to be able to speak about things which were in his inmost thoughts poured balm on vinzi's aching heart mr delrick's deep sympathy and understanding of his joy in his music studies with pater sylvanus made it possible for him to tell about everything that had made him so happy on the mountain he was willing enough to do whatever work he was set to do vinzi concluded but the idea of never playing any more or hearing more music was too dreadful he had till now always had the hope that he could spend next summer on the mountain and could then continue his lessons with pater sylvanus but to-day his father had definitely told him that he was never to go back the matter began to grow clearer to mr delrick tell me vinzi he said after a pause did the pater urge you to keep up your music at home or did he only mean to take it up again when you went back to him vinzi reported the pater's injunction also his own reply telling how impossible this was on account of his father's objection to it would you like to learn an instrument in order to give yourself pleasure by playing vinzi said mr delrick did you ever think of making music your whole and only life's work i suppose you could not even imagine that vinzi's eyes flamed oh yes i could and i thought about it long ago when i was on the mountain i could imagine well how it would be vinzi assured him i don't only want to study an instrument but to learn everything about music pater sylvanus knows everything and can explain how to put the tones together in order to make harmonious music also how to write down melodies one has in one's head so people can read it again from a sheet he had already begun to explain it all and teach me how to do it it was so wonderful i wouldn't mind shoveling snow all day and working hard the way they have to do up there in winter if only i could spend the evenings with pater sylvanus for he said he would keep on teaching me now i'll never be allowed to go up the mountain any more never it was hard for vinzi to suppress his newly rising grief you see vinzi mr delrick said kindly your father wants you to be happy you know that yourself and i can absolutely assure you of it he said the words you worry about so much because he thinks that your life on the mountain might interfere with your future happiness time may bring many changes and therefore it is possible that he won't have to keep his word it is entirely wrong though for you to keep on repeating these words to yourself for they only make you sad and take all your spirit away did you not find joy and happiness where you expected unhappiness 
Remember that, Vinzy, and keep up your courage. The mother had entered meanwhile, and after setting the breakfast on the table, had immediately vanished. It had calmed her to hear how Mr. Delrick was speaking to her boy, and how attentively the latter was listening. Now, Vinzy, said Mr. Delrick, rising, pull yourself together, and be glad that you are home again. Show your father a pleasant face when he comes home, and if you are willing to do what he tells you to, everything may still come right. Will you promise me to think about what I have just now said? This Vinzy gladly did, and when the mother entered a little later after Mr. Delrick had gone out, his eyes already were somewhat clearer. The day went quietly by. All the inmates of the house, feeling that the happiness of the evening before had vanished, could not help being depressed. When the day was over and Vincennes Lessa had settled as usual on his bench, his forehead lay in deep furrows. Staring at the ground, he even let his pipe go out. Mr. Delrick now stepped up to him. "'Mr. Lessa,' he said, striking a match and offering the light to his host, "'you are not in a good humor, or you would not let your pipe go out. Here, light it again.' "'Humor, you say, humor,' Lessa repeated grimly. "'If one's field is spoilt by hail, one can always hope that it will bring good fruit next year. But when a man's only son goes from bad to worse, no hope is left him. From worse he can only go to worst, and then I suppose he can't go any further. As far as I can judge, you have a very upright, well-mannered son, said Mr. Delrick deliberately. Yes, he is. I don't complain of that, retorted Lessa. It's something else. What help is there when everything has been done to make him happy, and he does not see it or know what is best for him? He only hankers after childish rubbish. I won't give in till he comes to reason, even if I should have to send him across the ocean. I know of a place, though, which is quite near, where he couldn't find any chance to keep up his foolish fancies. I suppose you mean by that your son's passion for music and his desire to devote himself to it. There might be more in it than foolish fancies, though. It might be very serious on his part, said Mr. Delrick. Something serious in it, replied the father in agitation. It is just play, like any other. I have nothing against it if young boys sing jolly songs in the evenings, but that is not the way he does. He sits and stares and neither sees nor hears anything, but thinks about his foolish piping. Once I found a whole heap of pipes he had carved. How could that be other than childish rubbish? And the idea of putting your thoughts on such a thing. That shows that there is something serious in it, answered Mr. Delrick. If it were only play like any other, he would have exchanged it for something else long ago, the way boys are apt to do. His whole thinking and wishing then would not always go to the same object. His persistence in trying to make a better instrument for himself shows how great his zeal for the matter really is. I am perfectly convinced that it is not play, but serious work with him. Work! The idea of calling that work! To express his indignation, Vincennes Lessa blew unusually thick clouds of smoke from his pipe. Music certainly can be work, and where there is real talent, it can be a splendid career, Mr. Delrick continued. I think you ought to let your son learn an instrument. 
his longing for it is so great that he would gladly do the heaviest work to have this wish gratified vincennes lessa put by his pipe which was a sure sign of intense excitement sir he said with suppressed anger vincennes lessa's only son shall not be a musician he has an estate on which he can live like a gentleman if he wants to blow a trumpet later on he can well afford to but it is quite another matter to take a boy away from a healthy sound work and bring him up to playing instruments and making music he has no sense yet and would probably come to me and say what you have just told me that he wants to make music his career no sir vincennes lessa's son is not going to be a travelling musician all musicians do not necessarily have to be vagabonds was mr delwick's quick reply there are many musicians with glorious gifts who do their work quite differently yes and they all come to one's house continued the excited father many hundreds of them they all make music the father plays on a broken fiddle and a woman in rags sings with a shrill voice that's the end of all of them if you had an only son sir would you let him become such a one surely not one like that replied mr delrick but if i should happen to have a son with great gifts as a composer nothing would prevent me from furthering his wishes my boy has not got great gifts said the father obstinately because such great gifts don't happen often will you believe me when i say that as soon as vinzy comes to reason he'll be glad and grateful that he can live on a beautiful farm and doesn't have to wander about the world as a musician mr delrick had to admit to himself that he really did not know how much talent vinzy had all he knew was the boy's great longing he also felt that mr lessa's opinion about a musician's miserable life could not possibly be changed he had puzzled how he could be certain on that point how otherwise would he have the right to fight the father's great disinclination maybe he should rather support the father's opinion and help to bring his son to the right path mr lessa he said rising and giving his hand to his host don't let us talk about it any more to-day for we don't seem to come to an understanding but i mean to take it up again and i hope we shall fully agree with each other then we have always gotten along so well till now so we have replied vincennes lessa shaking the proffered hand whenever we don't agree i always know that you mean well mr delrick now made ready to go on the next day the last before his departure the whole house was as still and quiet as if a misfortune were impending to the unhappy thoughts of the inmates was added the grief that the friend who had always been their comfort was to leave them stefelli had expected everything to be joyful again as soon as vinzi returned just the opposite had happened and now the only one who could have helped them was going away on the last evening mr delrick told the mother of his conversation with mr lessa and comforted her by the assurance that he had not given up the hope of finding a way out for vinzi but she had given up and saw only grief ahead for them all even if her husband would give way to the persuasions of mr delrick he would never be reconciled to the matter and a breach would remain between them only one person could have prevented that and he was the one who had to go vinzi felt that if he could talk sometimes with mr delrick he might regain his joy and confidence 
his heart was therefore very heavy at his friend's departure mr lessa had the full conviction that his wife and son did not understand what was necessary for vinzy's good the only person who would probably comprehend it at last and would then bring the others round was departing mr delrick in spite of speaking a kindly word to one and an encouraging one to the other was unable to lift their spirits in the evening when he had withdrawn to his room some one knocked on his door and vinzy entered carrying two little books and a small package he asked timidly if mr delrick would take these things to his three cousins the package he had promised to send to rusli before he left the books were for Yos and Faz, for the boys had told him that they liked to read on winter evenings. As they possessed so few books, they were obliged to read the same ones over and over again. Vinzy also wished to send his best love to everybody in his uncle's house, as well as to the grandfather and Peter Sylvanus. He was anxious to thank them all, and let them know how happy he had been with them, and how much he wanted but here Vinzy could speak no further. Quickly saying good-bye, he went out. Mr. Delrick had planned to go back from the Italian lakes to Germany by another route. He hoped to return next summer, at which the whole family rejoiced. Stefali, however, thought that this was too far off. Early next morning he drove away in the direction of the Simplon. End of chapter 8